through our praises, through our prayers, through our uh, time in focusing in on the Word of God. And I'm so grateful that we have this chance to be able to gather together as a people. And especially grateful if this is your first time here, we want to give you a very warm welcome in the name of the Lord. Uh, we are so grateful you're here. We'd love to get to know you better. Um, please uh, connect with a welcome card um, immediately after church. Stay for fellowship. We'd love to be able to just uh, see how we can pray for you and be of service to you. And I'm so grateful for all that God continues to do here at Imago Church in such a time as this and such a, a time and place as this as well. So we're in this new season and new day together as a community here at Imago. Estamos en un nuevo día aquí en Iglesia Imago where um, we are really just seeing God do a new thing. And we've been talking about that for the month of January. And now in February, we're going to be um, looking at really just uh, um, how we can bless one another in our life together as a church. Today we're going to engage what the earliest fellowship, what the earliest believers did in the book of Acts. So today's scripture reading is actually going to be from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And you can follow along in your Bibles or you can hear God's word read aloud um, and it will be in the projector screen as well. And for those worshiping at home, it will be on the slides as well. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. La escritura de hoy es el libro, del libro de Hechos, capítulo, capítulo 2, versículos 42 al 47. I'll be reading in English, but you can follow along in your heart language. Acts 2, beginning at verse 42. Let's go ahead and hear now um, with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, and fellowship. Um, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe and and uh, was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Vamos a orar. Lord God, we pray that this morning you would just meet us right where we are, just as we are. And God, we just uh, pray, Lord, that you, Lord, would just be the one to, um, to just be glorified and to be magnified. We trust you, Lord, and we know that the good thing that you are doing in us, you will bring it into full completion. Lord God, um, give us that true comfort that only you could give us, Lord. A comfort that goes beyond situation or circumstance, but that comes only from you. Lord, in our times of loneliness, would you be our companion? In our times, Lord, of anxiety, would you be the one who calms us down, God? Lord, give us the faith today to believe 
that we are here for purpose and that, Lord, the best is ahead of us always. That's part of the living hope that we have in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you never run away from us, but you're constantly moving toward us, Lord, redeeming us, reshaping us, and in your restorative love. Thank you, God. We love you, and we pray all of this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So over the last month, we've been looking into the, this year ahead of us and talking about what it means to see God do a new thing in our life together as a community. We've talked about what it means to hold on to really a living hope in Jesus Christ, a living hope that goes beyond situation or circumstance. We've also talked about what it means to grow in spiritual maturity through what we've called continued conversion. And how here, every single Sunday, we have that opportunity to grow with one another and encourage one another in continued conversion. And last week, we reflected on what it means to be divinely present in order to show up to the divine appointments in our lives, just as Danny was mentioning earlier today. And today, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a matter-of-fact kind of disciple, an authentic follower of Jesus, to go beyond what it just means to be a cultural Christian or a person with religious customs, but to be a matter-of-fact kind of disciple, an authentic follower of Jesus. And we're going to reflect on how we express that together in our life as a community here at Imago Church. So some of the core values here at Imago that really make for being a matter-of-fact kind of follower of Jesus, an authentic follower of Jesus. Um, here at Imago, you all know, Imago means that we're created in the image of God. And so that means that our theme is that identity in the image of God and purpose in the image of Christ. And so to be a matter of fact kind of disciple, we kind of put it simply that way, right? F-A-C-T, to be faithful, approachable, committed, and teachable. What does that mean? To be faithful, that means that we're committed to reflecting the character of Christ. And, you and we all take our call seriously here as a church. Secondly, to be approachable, that means that each one of us is willing to live out our call of hope through relationships. We're going to take off that old way of just standoffishness and clickishness, but instead we're going to close the gap and live out hope through relationships. And then to be committed, that means that we're going to be committed to God and to one another through clear communication and also through being contributors, not just consumers. And then finally, to be teachable. A disciple must be teachable. That means that each one of us, we carry ourselves humbly with God and with one another. So again, that's part of what it means to be a matter-of-fact kind of disciple here at Imago, to be faithful, approachable, committed, and teachable. Why do we do that? Why do we emphasize that so much here as a community? That's because I've come to learn, and we've all come to live this out together that the church that chooses to bless one another 
is the church that is united. The church that chooses to bless one another is the church that remains united. And that has to be a choice that we all make together, that we will bless one another through our freedom, through our generosity, through our teachability, through our faithfulness, through our commitment, through our communication, through our approachability, by choosing to be contributors rather than just consumers. Because that's going to be a choice. Every church, every community, every group has to make a choice. Will we choose to bless one another? And if we do, that will be the root and the basis of our unity in Christ. I don't know about you, but I've seen groups, I've seen churches that haven't made that choice, that haven't chosen to bless one another, but instead to critique one another or quarrel with one another. No, that's not God's dream for our community here. God's doing something new. We can choose to bless one another by choosing to be contributors rather than just consumers. And that was actually the model of the early church in Acts 2, 42 to 47. What do we see here if we put the passage back up once again and we read from verse 44? It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were sincere. They chose to bless one another. As a gospel-centered community, that's who God has called us to be. A gospel-centered, multicultural community where hope is built through restored relationships. Here at Imago Church, we are a community that functions not by law or by tradition or even by the standards of this world, as Romans 12.2 tells us, but we're a people who live by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the one who connects us to God and to one another. We're a community that actually functions through grace and truth. Here we don't function by just law or tradition or rebellion. But together, we choose life in the Spirit. Here at Imago Church, and I've said this before, and it's been a joy for many that are here. It's been a, a challenge for others that I've, I've uh, navigated things with and, uh, and discipled before. But here at Imago Church, we actually don't gain any kind of authority by titles. Anyone can have any title, any religious title or big business title. Anyone can have that. But here at Imago Church, authority and influence is gained not by titles, but by testimony. Not by charisma and all the amazing gifts that we have, but by Christ-like character. In fact... That's part of the covenant that we have here as a church community. And I love that language that we've chosen to use here at Imago. Not so much just membership, right? It's not a club where some are in and some are out. God's doing a new thing, and he's invited all people to be a part of that. But really, here we seek to be a covenant community who are in covenant with God and with one another. 
And at Imago Church, whether it's a leader or a staff member or a covenant member, a congregant, this is part of our covenant together, that each one of us should have a desire to grow and live out mature Christian faith. Mature Christian faith, healthy family and personal relationships, self-awareness, self-respect, and respect for others. That's part of our covenant together as, so that we can flourish in our life together. And in fact, here as a community, all of that points to something so much bigger because we witness to who God is with our lives, with our lives, our words, and our actions, and the way that we conduct ourselves and carry ourselves all of that gets so implanted in the minds of those, especially those that are far from God. Somos testigos del reino de Dios. And really, the call of the scripture is a call to go beyond living by law or tradition, but it's a call to live by the Spirit, to live in freedom, for us to break again that ceiling Many of us have our own traditions, those unbreakable laws that we're not aware of, that we grew up in our family or in our context or in our culture or in our church. But God's calling us to the next level to break that ceiling of tradition and law or of man-made rebellion and to be who we were created to be. Not just freedom from bad things, but a freedom to be who we were created to be. Not just freedom to do what I want, when I want, but a free to be the me that I was made to be. Freedom for life in the Spirit is that call. Ese es el llamado de vida en el Espíritu. Living beyond all of that. Living the fruits of the Spirit. Some of you remember what those are in Galatians 5.22, right? But the fruit of the Spirit, some of you remember them. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's new life in the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit actually affirm that we, as a gospel-centered community, as the people of God, we taste differently. We're called to taste different because we are something new, because we've been made new in Jesus Christ. Again, putting off the old and putting on the new. Freedom from self-destruction in order to gain freedom for flourishing. Freedom from foolishness in order to gain freedom for wisdom. And freedom from stinginess in order to gain freedom for generosity. This year, that's my prayer. My prayer is that we would grow in our life in the Spirit together as a community. And I'm praying that God would take us all to the next level in our generosity. You can bless your church in a very practical, very tangible way. You can bless this church community through your generosity. Next level giving for all of us is really a, a calling that we all have as a community. 
It's how we are going to build up God's kingdom here at Imago Church through our giving of our time, of our treasure, of our talents. So what are some of the characteristics of next-level giving? First, next-level giving is actually done generously. Offerings are to be done as a first fruit, giving our best to God, not just our leftovers. That's with our ministry, with our energy, with our time, with our treasure as well. And in fact, in the Old Testament, right, there's this standard of the 10% or the tithe, which is the practice of generosity that traces all the way back to the Old Testament. We can put up the verse there in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. We got to reflect on that during our prayer time this morning. It says this, the prophet Malachi 3, 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. In overflow, as someone said this morning. So that's in the Old Testament, but what about in the New Testament, in the passage we're reading this morning? What does it say in Acts chapter 2? It actually says that all the believers were one in heart and in mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything that they had. And let's just be clear about this. And I'll, I like to be upfront about it. In the New Testament, there is not a specific reference to tithe to the 10%. But remember, the tithe, the 10% was the origin of the call, and generosity is the fulfillment of the call. As we see there in Acts 2, it's actually not 10%, it's 100%. So, you know, do any legalistic people want to take that one up with the New Testament? There's no tithe, yeah, there's 100. It's there. Generosity is a call that leads to freedom. Generosity leads to a mental shift, as the prophet Malachi is talking about here, the mental shift from scarcity to abundance. And I know, I know that's the big conversation in our country and in our world right now, with COVID economics and all of that, that there is a supply shortage, there's going to be, you know, not enough. But remember, our confidence, our peace, our sustainability doesn't come from all that. It comes from the Lord, the one who has always provided, the one who has always been faithful. Abundance, overflow, generosity, that's a call to experience financial peace and financial freedom. Who's prayed for that before? financial peace, financial freedom. And I'll be honest with you, this is not, don't, don't, I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. This is not some kind of formula or some kind of spin or sweet talking, but this is a reality and a promise. What does the Bible say here through the prophet Malachi? This is the only passage in all of scripture where you will see God tell us, test me in this. 
Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Generosity leads to an abundance, to an abundance of freedom, to an abundance of joy in our finances. What if finances no longer had that power of fear, of trembling, of terror, but instead they're surrendered to the Lord and now we look at finances with joy and freedom. God wants every part of who we are. And every part of who we are contributes to our discipleship and to our growth in Christ. I get it. Some of us at this point, we may be thinking, oh, well, of course, Pastor Carlos, we're going to talk about this, aren't we? Some of us can feel, I, you know, I just get it. Some, some of us get touchy and uncomfortable when it comes to talking about finances. And maybe that's what God wants to free you from. Maybe God wants to free you from the control that finances have had over your life. Perhaps God today or in this season wants you to experience freedom from the touchiness and the discomfort of talking about finances in order to experience freedom for joy freedom for generosity, freedom for peace of mind in order to refocus your time and energy and resources. I've found, in the, and, and trust me, I've been through the school of hard knocks on this. So we can talk. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I've had ups and downs. I've had those months where you don't know where the money's going to come from to pay the rent or whatever it may be. Longer story, longer testimony, but the reality is this, that full honesty is key. Full honesty before God is key when discussing and navigating our financial life. Because here's the truth about finances, and I've learned it time and time again. Our wealth, our time, our money, all of that will turn on us if we don't spread them around in generosity as God has commanded. And that's why every single week here, we have that act of worship where we present our tithes and our offerings. When we do that, there's actually something eternal and something unseen that is occurring. Our giving, our generosity goes toward the expansion of the witness of God's kingdom here at Imago Church and into all of eternity. This call to abundant generosity in giving is, is really the, the what, but what is the why behind the what? Why does God call us to do that, to shape us, to disciple us? So again, if we're called to be generous, what's the why behind the what? Why do we give? We, you may be asking yourself that. Well, why give? We give because giving through the local church is an act of faith. It's an act of faith proclaiming that God is the one sustainer, not money. Why give? We give as an act of defiance, where we refuse to conform to the patterns of this world, which try to convince us that money is God. 
Money is not God. And if you don't believe me, see what the Lord Jesus himself says about this very topic in Luke chapter 16, verses 9 to 13, Lucas 16, 9 al 13, nos dice esto el Señor Jesús. It says this, Luke 16, 9 to 13. If we can put up the verse, please. Luke 16, 9 to 13. This is Lord speaking himself. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal things. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you the property of your own, the eternal dwelling that the Lord is talking about here? Verse 13, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Does it get any plainer than that? You cannot serve both God and money. The old school translation of this in the old English version, King James Version, it actually would say, you cannot serve God and mammon. What is mammon? Mammon is the idol of money. It comes from the ancient Greek word, which uh, this part of the New Testament was written in, from the Greek word mammonas, which mammonas actually, or mammon, was wealth regarded as an evil influence or a false object of worship and devotion. It was taken by ancient writers to really be the name of the idol of covetousness, the idol of money, mammon. Jesus in this passage is reminding us that money is not God. Mammon will not satisfy. No. Money, in fact, will make a terrible God. Mammon will not save you. It's the complete opposite. The idol of money, mammon will betray you. Mammon will chew you up and spit you out and leave you with nothing. And if you don't believe me, just see the stories. Countless depressed billionaires, millionaires, people that seem to have it all but really have nothing. Even in this last week, many tragic stories about that. You know, I <clears throat> think about uh, what one leader once shared with me. And again, I can share my testimony at another point, but some of you know, I actually, I grew, I'm, I'm very content where God has me now, and I have experienced a lot of joy, a lot of freedom, a lot of suffering, and a lot of uh, abundance as well. But I grew up very humbly when it comes to all of those things, finances, and there was a scarcity mindset in many ways in my household. And then when I graduated from college, I got my first job in Silicon Valley, which is one of the places of the most wealth in the entire country. And when I was there, I had never known a millionaire before, but 
I found myself working alongside and knowing people that made millions of dollars, and I knew nothing about that. And there was one person who um, decided to mentor me. He, uh, his name uh, was Frank, and he actually used to be a vice president for Hewlett Packard with a computer company when there was the tech boom and all of that. So yeah, he knew a thing or two about money and finances. And I'll never forget some words that he once told me. He said, Carlos, remember this, money is never truly the problem. And money is never truly the solution. Money is never truly the problem, and money is never truly the solution. It can either hurt you or it can help you, but you need to see how we can steward it for God's purposes. You know, some of you can be thinking, well, Pastor Carlos, that sounds interesting, but where do I even start? I've never even done this before. How do I step into this faith, uh, faith journey of generosity, of freedom, of joy? in my stewardship? Well, the first thing I'll tell you is this. Number one, here's some practical steps, and I'm really just sharing with you my own experience in this. Number one, start with first fruits. Start with the first fruits, not the leftovers. And you know what? This applies to all of us. No matter what age you are, whether you're younger, you're older, you're in middle age, no matter what age, no matter what income bracket or season of life you're in, you can be generous. You can give of your first fruits by setting that apart. You know, I think about my first job um, ever, my first official job, and I was super excited when I was in high school. I was a waiter. And I would go to this job after, after, uh, after uh, school when I was a junior and senior year, and I would wait tables, and I would make $6 an hour. I got my little check. I was super excited to go out on the town for the weekend and all of that. But you know, my mother, who's a very wise and godly woman, she taught me to set apart first fruits. Set apart first fruits. And she taught me that, and I'm passing it on to you. It will be a blessing. It will be counter to what you think of or expect. Set apart first fruits. And then secondly, my dad, also a wise and godly man, he taught me to contribute to the household. And this is the household of worship. The household of worship where we belong. And this year, on this joyous adventure of generosity, let's each one of us ask God to teach us to set apart first fruits in order to contribute to our church, our spiritual household. So one, set apart first, fruit, first fruits. Secondly, do it intentionally, not just sporadically, not just in the moment, but connect your generosity, connect your giving to thoughtfulness. Not just impulsively, whatever may, may be there with you in the moment, but in a way that is intentional, in a way that's an act of worship. We're going to even have time throughout this year to be preparing some more intentional time and space in that during our time of offering you know, obviously, if, if you're new or, or whatnot, or you bring a guest, we, we just want to welcome you in the name of the Lord. Feel free to let the offering plate pass you by.
but for all of us, there are ways we can give of our first fruits intentionally, whether in that time or in the back, we have a giving booth or online, or there are so many different ways that you can take part in worship in this way. And then third, after doing it, in, uh, do first fruits intentionally. Then third, learn to give humbly, humbly and quietly. There's no need to brag or try to get some leverage or power through finances. Remember, stewardship is a call from God. And being able to give of our stewardship, even being able to give larger resources, that's also a spiritual gift. God calls us to exercise our spiritual gifts with integrity and with humility. You know, as a good friend of mine and pastoral mentor, once reminded me in, in teaching me and discipling me about all of this, he said something very simple, very true, that I didn't like it at first, but yeah, it makes complete sense. Here's the truth. We're all going to give our money away, one way or another. Either when we're alive, and we can steward it generously, or when we're dead, and someone else is going to decide. We're all going to do it eventually. God empowers us with the opportunity to engage that part of life and discipleship here and now. And finally, giving faithfully and consistently. My suggestion, in addition to setting apart first, first fruits, is have your generosity as one of the three items in your monthly budget. And again, I'm sharing from you my experience in this. When I do my, my, my budget every, every month, and this has taken many years for me to get to this point. Don't think it was just sudden, right? But the top three items in my budget every month are one, generosity, offerings, two, taxes, right? I have to do my own taxes. And, and Jesus says, you got to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Can't go around it. And then three, saving and investing. And a wise person once taught me a three-bucket system that we can divide our stewardship and our finances, again, regardless of the stage in life, regardless of how much we make, we can divide our, our stewardship into three-bucket system, what's called the 10-10-80 principle, where 10% can go toward giving and generosity through the local church, another 10% to saving and investing, so I'm not living just check by check, month by month, and then finally, 80% to live on, 10, 10, 80. So again, the perfection is not, the, is not the, the goal here. It's just learning to go the next level. And no one's interested here in shaming or embarrassing. No, none of that. We're interested in God taking us to the next level and being generous and reflecting him in that way. And for many of us, that's going to require some prayer. It's going to require learning and discernment on distinguishing from what our real needs are from our wants. Not everything we want is something that we need. Again, the invitation from God into being faithful contributors through generous financial stewardship. It's not meant to be some type of legalistic formula, but it is a promise it's a promise from God that invites us into financial joy, into financial freedom, and into peace of mind. And I'm sure we can go around here and we can hear 
testimonies. Testimonies of when God has provided. When you didn't know how, you didn't know where, but God showed up and showed off in a unique and wonderful way that only he could. These are the promises in Scripture. And again, remember, our confidence is in that, in the promises from God. It says this in Psalm 37, 25 to 26. What is it, if we can put the verse up? Psalm 37, 25 to 26. I have been young, I was young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. In talking about the generations and setting up a blessing for the generation after us, that can begin now with our actions, with our stewardship, with our attitudes toward finances. Give them to God. See him do something new, like in every part of our lives. So there's a couple of reasons that we're spending time today talking about next level generosity and being faithful contributors. One is we just need us all. Everyone here plays such an important role, whether you're here in person or online or in some way a part of the Imago community near and far. We need us all to play a role in this to be generous of our time, of our treasures, of our talents. God is going to do incredible and amazing things this year and in the years to come, in and through the life of Imago Church, in our lives as disciples. But the truth is, like all things that are built for God's glory, all things that go to the next level, all those things go through challenges and hard times. And this year, I want us to really be able to step in and step up together. Because yes, these past two years have been significantly difficult for our church, as well as I'm sure for families here, as well as other organizations and communities around the country. Yes, it has been difficult. You know, as we've seen, pre-COVID, post-COVID time, not everyone has come back but God has raised up new people and we entrust him to be the one to provide for us. Now, it may not be easy, but it will be worth it because God provides. God provides in ways that go beyond what we could even ask or imagine. Right now, in our church's story, as well as perhaps in your story, in your journey with finances, with that test, with that challenge that you're going through, can we trust God enough to know that there is a testimony in the works? That a year from now, years from now, we can look back and say, look at God. Look what God did. And I'm fully confident in this. I'm fully confident that God will be faithful and that God will secure our future and our outcome as a church and as the families represented here. But yet, God calls us to faithful action as he is in charge of outcome. Our stewardship is also a part of our discipleship. I think that's one thing that I want to be a big takeaway from here today. This is not just the talk about that. 
This is the talk about discipleship that has to do with our finances and stewardship. It's not just the money talk. This is about freedom, about joy, about peace of mind, about the shift from scarcity to abundance. And Jesus says it really well, right? Where your treasure is, there also is your heart. The truth is, whether we know it or not, we all have spiritual diaries. We all have journals where we keep the things that mean the most to us. And those spiritual diaries are really this. One is our calendar. And second is our checkbook or our bank transactions. Where your treasure is, there also is your heart. And we've been talking about this the past couple of weeks. God is not just interested in redeeming our church selves or our religious selves, but our whole selves, not just our Sunday's best. God wants to renew and restore our stewardship. God wants to restore the way that we think about money. God wants to restore how we spend our time, our treasure, and our talents. So together as a community, how can we step in with faith this year to be faithful contributors? That means that we go the next level together through stewardship that is healthy, wise, and generous. That's really the end goal here, that we would all grow in stewardship that is healthy, wise, and generous, giving generously of our time, our treasure, and our talents. And what better way to start this journey of generosity than to start with prayer. Together, we can pray the promises of God found in the Word of God. As we're reminded in 2 Corinthians 9-7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Then finally, I'm going to share with you all a prayer that I do every time that I have to do the budget and work on stuff. Again, I'm not perfect at this, but my job is to pass on what's worked for me to you as well. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, 11 to 12, we read this. If we can get that passage up, 1 Chronicles 29, 11 to 12. And this can be the prayer in which we close our, our, our time together here today, but it says this, and, and we can pray it together. This is a prayer of King David. It's a prayer of um, really just trusting God in abundance. And if it's up there, let's go ahead and pray it together. It says this, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Amen. Jesus offers to take you right now right where you're at, no matter how clean or how messy that whole journey or story has been for you. And this same living Lord Jesus is committed to remolding you and reshaping you into who you were created to be. You and I were created to be 
flourishing people made in God's image to reflect the image of God and to reflect the grace and the generosity of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, help us, Lord, today to make that shift from scarcity to abundance, from fear to faith, God. Help us, Lord, to be intentional, to make a plan, Lord, to give you of our first fruits, God. It's an act of faith. It's an act of trust. It's an act of surrender. And Lord God, I know that in my life, my testimony has been, Lord, one where you have been faithful and you have provided, especially against all odds, Lord. And I know that that is the case for many here in our Imago family. You have provided and you will continue to, Lord. Help us, Lord, to step in and step up, to go the next level in generosity. Whatever stage in life, whatever age we're in, whatever bracket we feel we're in, Lord, you say, test me in this, and you will be faithful, God. And Lord, I also want to pray right now for those that may be experiencing any difficulty in this area of life, Lord, in finances. Lord, for some of us, we may feel like our backs are just against the wall and the pressure is coming in from all areas, Lord. And I pray that you, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, would be the one to provide freedom. Provide freedom, provide a way out, Lord. A way out that begins with taking a step toward you and surrendering all parts of our lives, our outsides and our insides, our material and our spiritual, all of that for you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I pray, Lord, that we would be able to live into your promises, to trust in your presence, and hold on to your power, God. And may the peace of Christ, which goes beyond understanding, be with each one of us, Lord God. You are our security. You are our abundance. Each one of us is called, and we are blessed to be a blessing. So help us, Lord God, to be faithful contributors, to build up your kingdom so that we would flourish in our personal lives and in our life together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.